You're listening to the Catholic Fragments Podcast, where we explore the treasures of Catholicism, the fullness of truth revealed in Jesus Christ and His Church. I'm your host, Dr. Donald Wallenfang, and I invite you to join me in gathering up the fragments of the truth that sets us free. pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 6. And raising his eyes toward his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who are now weeping, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude and insult you, and denounce your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and leap for joy on that day. Behold, your reward will be great in heaven, for their ancestors treated the prophets in the same way. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. But woe to you who are filled now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will grieve and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for their ancestors treated the false prophets in this way. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. St. Francis of Assisi, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome everyone to this episode of the Catholic Fragments Podcast. I'm Dr. Donald Wallenfang. In this episode, we're featuring St. Francis of Assisi and some excerpts from the first rule he wrote for the original community of the Friars Minor, also called the Franciscans. St. Francis lived from around 1182 to 1226, dying at the young age of 44 years old. That's how old I am right now, so it's really interesting to think about he did so much in this short time of life. St. Francis was the son of a prosperous silk merchant, And even though he was baptized as Giovanni, with the name Giovanni, his father began to call him Francesco, which could mean free man or Frenchman. And perhaps his father gave him this name due to his appreciation, his father's appreciation of French culture. The fact is that St. Francis grew up rich, living in the lap of luxury, He was known to spend lots of money as a youth, enjoy the many pleasures of life, and to wear fine, bright clothes. Though around the age of 20, St. Francis joined a military expedition. When he was captured and spent a year in prison where he fell ill. During this time, he began to experience gradual conversion 
that would continue over the course of his life. And his heart would begin to invert little by little, an inversion of this self-absorbed lifestyle through his encounters with people living in poverty, people who were suffering. One such encounter was with a man who had leprosy, and St. Francis ended up kissing him and giving him money. Upon founding the Order of the Franciscans, Francis exhorted his fellow friars, Brothers, let us begin, for until now we have done little or nothing. With St. Francis, we see this great urgency for missionary discipleship, for evangelization, for proclaiming Christ, but also manifesting Christ in the flesh, in an actual lifestyle which embraces what he called Lady Poverty. This was his bride, Lady Poverty. St. Francis did not write much, and the paucity of his writings attests to the poverty that defines the Franciscan charism. In his reflections on the life of St. Francis, G.K. Chesterton wrote, It is the highest and holiest of the paradoxes that the man who really knows he cannot pay his debt will be forever paying it. Chesterton saw this in the life of St. Francis of Assisi. St. Francis knew how much he was in debt to Christ for all Christ did for him. And he spent his whole life paying the debt through this paradoxical form of begging for alms. The Franciscans are one of the great mendicant orders of the church from the Latin root mendicare to beg. They begged for their food, for their drink, for places to live when they weren't living in the streets. St. Francis later would hear Jesus say to him from the crucifix in the San Damiano church, Francis, rebuild my church. From then on, the gospel of Christ ignited St. Francis to reactivate the church's missionary activity. With bold determination, St. Francis ventured out on a missionary journey to Syria, but was shipwrecked along the way. He made a second attempt to travel to Morocco, but fell ill in Spain. His third attempt at a missionary trip was to Damietta, Egypt, a port town in the country of Egypt, and this was successful where he tried in vain to convert the Muslim sultan of Egypt, Malik al-Kamil. But this really shows, it showcases St. Francis's missionary spirit, that he wanted to share the good news with people who were not yet fully converted to Christ. And so he sets out on this missionary journey. We see this in many different saints. I think of St. Teresa of Avila, for example, where she wanted to go uh, make a similar missionary trip. At the age of 42, while immersed in prayer, St. Francis received the stigmata, the wounds of Christ, that he would bear until his death two years later. This happens with some of the saints. The sign of great union 
with the suffering Christ, bearing the stigmata, the wounds of Christ crucified. And now today, St. Francis is known as the patron saint of animals and nature. He composed many beautiful poems, canticles, praising God for the way that God shows his glory through the natural order of creation. So the excerpts we're going to take for this podcast episode are from the 1221 rule. That's when St. Francis composed the first rule of the Friars Minor. This is the name of the religious order, the Friars Minor. These minor brothers, that word minor is key to understand Franciscan spirituality. To see others as better than yourself. To be counted among the least of the people in the world. The first quote is taken from chapter 1. And St. Francis says this. The rule in life of these brothers is this, to live in obedience, in chastity, and without anything of their own, and to follow the teaching and the footprints of our Lord Jesus Christ, who says, If you wish to be perfect, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. So here we hear the three evangelical counsels of obedience, chastity, and poverty. Those who enter religious life take vows to live according to the pattern of the life of Christ. Perfect obedience to the will of God the Father. Perfectly chaste, having self-mastery with one's body and desires. And also living in poverty not owning anything in an individual way, but sharing all things in common within the religious community. I love how he writes to follow the teaching and footprints of our Lord Jesus Christ. Franciscan spirituality, the Franciscan charism, is really characterized by this embrace of poverty. So much more than a lot of other religious communities and charisms and vocations within the church. But St. Francis took this call to the most radical degree. Really abject poverty, really loving poverty, loving having nothing. Safe to say St. Francis and the Friars Minor did not have 401ks. They did not save a bunch of money. They did not think in this way. But by living a celibate lifestyle, they were able to follow the footprints of Christ in this radical discipleship. The next quote we're going to take from chapter 5 of the Rule of the Friars Minor, where St. Francis talks about correcting brothers who are at fault. He says this, And let all the brothers, both the ministers and servants, as well as the others, take care not to be disturbed or angered at the sin or the evil of another, because the devil wishes to destroy many through the fault of one. But they should spiritually help the brother who has sinned as best they can, 
because, as Jesus said, it is not the healthy who are in need of the physician, but those who are sick. Again, very striking words here from St. Francis. Not to brood over injury, not to brood over the sin or the evil someone else has done, because the devil wishes to distract us through the faults of other people. If we become absorbed in what wrong the other person did, then we're not setting out on the good that God wants us to do today, right now. St. Francis says further, Similarly, all the brothers in this regard should not hold power or dominion, least of all among themselves. For as the Lord says in the Gospel, the rulers of the peoples have power over them, and their leaders rule over them. It shall not be like this among the brothers. And whoever among them wishes to become the greater should be their servant and minister. And whoever is the greater among them should become like the lesser. So we hear in these words not only about material poverty, but spiritual poverty. Great humility, meekness, littleness. Seeing oneself as a servant to the rest. So St. Francis was very intent about not having a kind of hierarchy of power within the Friars Minor, but everyone seeing each other as equals because everyone saw himself as lesser than the person facing him. Then we go on in the rule to chapter 7, thinking about the manner of serving and working within the Friars Minor. One might think that living this life of abject poverty and penance, great suffering involved in this original concept of St. Francis, as he exemplified in his own life, one might think that someone living like this would look quite sorrowful and sad and gloomy. As even Pope Francis said, maybe as if one is always just coming from a funeral. But no, St. Francis says the brothers must be aware, they must beware not to appear outwardly sad and like gloomy hypocrites, but let them show that they are joyful in the Lord and cheerful and truly gracious. This is to be the countenance of the friar minor. To be cheerful, joyful, truly gracious. Finally, I want to read some longer passages that St. Francis writes about poverty. Specifically, that the brothers are not to receive money for themselves and that they are to beg for alms. These passages, again, are, are very provocative within the Catholic theological tradition. This family of spiritualities which stretches across monastic life and the mendicant orders in the more apostolic, active religious communities. But again, the Franciscans are known for their deep love of poverty. St. Francis writes in chapter 8 of 
the rule of the friars minor. The Lord commands us in the gospel, watch, be on your guard against all malice and greed. Guard yourselves against the preoccupations of this world and the cares of this life. Therefore, none of the brothers, wherever he may be or wherever he goes, should in any way carry, receive, or have received by another either money or coins, whether for clothing or books or payment for any work, indeed for no reason, unless it is for the evident need of the sick brothers. For we must not suppose that money or coins have any greater value than stones. Wow, that's radical again. We must not suppose that money or coins have any greater value than stones. He says further, And the devil would like to blind those who desire it or consider it better than stones. Therefore let us who have left all things behind take care that we do not lose the kingdom of heaven for so little. That's a great line. When we're tempted to sin, if we could recall this line to ourselves, that I may take care not to lose the kingdom of heaven for so little. It's a great paradox. The sin seems so tempting, so great. The things of the world, the lures of this world, seem so great. Honor, riches, health, wealth, being esteemed by many, being famous. But in comparison with the kingdom of heaven, these things are trifles. He says further, And if we were to find coins in any place, let us give them no more thought than the dust which we crush with our feet. For all this is vanity of vanities, and all is vanity. And if by chance which God forbid, it should happen that some brother has collected or is hoarding money or coins with the sole exception of the needs of the sick, as mentioned above, all the brothers are to consider him as a false brother and an apostate and a thief and a robber and as the one who held the purse, Judas Iscariot, unless that brother has truly repented. So this is how serious St. Francis takes this call to poverty, following Christ and having nothing. As Jesus said of himself, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He's among the anavim, the Hebrew term that means the lowly ones, those who are truly living in poverty, but altogether are the faithful remnant as the people of God. Then in chapter 9, St. Francis goes on to talk about begging for alms. So the friars minor are not to have any money of their own, but nevertheless they're to beg for alms. First of all, to come to the aid of the sick in their community and provide for their needs. And also that they would have at least a little something to eat, a little basic necessities for life. So he writes, all the brothers should strive to follow the humility and the poverty of our Lord Jesus Christ. And remember that we should have nothing else in the whole world except, as the Apostle says, having something to eat and something to wear. We be content with these. 
and they must rejoice when they live among people who are considered to be of little worth and who are looked down upon, among the poor and the powerless, the sick and the lepers, and the beggars by the wayside. And when it may be necessary, let them go for alms. And they should not be ashamed, but rather recall that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living and all-powerful God, set his face like flint and was not ashamed, was not ashamed in his poverty. But through this poverty is revealed the very way of salvation. And Jesus was a poor man and a transient and lived on alms, he and the Blessed Virgin and his disciples. And should people shame them and refuse to give them alms, let them give thanks to God for this, since from such insults they will receive great honor before the tribunal of our Lord Jesus Christ. For everything that people leave behind in the world will perish, but for the charity and the almsgiving which they have done, they will receive a reward from the Lord. Wow, so we hear in this excerpt St. Francis really describing the life of Christ. Jesus, who was a poor man, he was a transient, he was an itinerant preacher, and before that, a poor carpenter. And even Jesus, he says, and his mother and disciples lived on alms, lived on these shared provisions within their itinerant community of faith. And so it is with the friars minor that they should live like this. And they serve as a great example for the whole church of how all of us, given our state of life, should embrace poverty. As St. Francis and St. Ignatius of Loyola talk about both spiritual poverty and material poverty. It's a real challenge for us. The scriptures never stop challenging us in this way to become poor with Christ, poor with the prophets, poor with the Anavim of Israel. The Franciscans perpetuate the paradoxical goodness of the spirit of poverty that belongs to the Lord. Because when we become poor for his sake, in the sake of the gospel, we actually become rich in the things of God. May we continue to learn from the spirit of poverty embraced by St. Francis of Assisi, counting all things as loss and so much rubbish so that we may gain Christ and be found in him. Thank you for joining me on the Catholic Fragments podcast, where you are equipped to think toward the whole, to pray from the heart, and to live as a witness 